0: Uh, we were in chapter 18 last week, and uh, Bill went through verse 15. You know, last week Abraham had some visitors, right? He had some visitors come. It's the heat of the day; he's hanging out at the house because it's hot, right? He's got the AC pumping, pumping double time. You know, in that tent. So he sees these visitors, and what does he do? Man, he goes. You know, hospitality is a huge thing back in this culture in that day. You know, it should be today too. Okay, he sees these visitors. He runs over, and uh, you know he 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 gives them water to wash their feet. You know to freshen up. He gives them yogurt and milk because I don't want no yogurt and milk on a hot day. I'm just saying. Of course, they didn't have no cold Pepsi Cola back then, but that's all they had. So, but he gives them milk and he gives them yogurt, and and you know all whatnot, probably fruits and vegetables. And then, man, he then he cooks them a steak. That's what I'm talking about. I knew I liked Abraham. <laughs> he cooks them a steak, man, and. One of those visitors just happened to be who? The Lord. Right? And look, man, Hebrews 13, 12 says, Look, man, never neglect to show hospitality. Listen, listen. There's a message right here just in this. Never neglect to show hospitalities because we never know if we're entertaining angels or the Lord himself. Okay? The Lord's come down. He's here to share with Abraham that he and Sarah are going to have a son. Right? He's only been waiting 25 years. Hey, have you been praying for something over 25 years? It's getting ready to happen. He's going to going to speak to Abraham and Sarah about having, having the child that he promised to them 25 years ago. And then he's going to check out Sodom to see the wickedness of the city. And look, man, I want to share something with you, man. God's timing is sometimes... Unusual, would you agree god 's timing is because anybody else impatient? There's some lying folks in here this morning. we're impatient, right? You ever get mad at the microwave yes. <laughs> Kelly kelly has gone, she's at Portland. she makes me a bunch of meals before she leaves, you know because she feels bad about leaving me and uh, so. I got this big old fat lasagna out the other night. You know, I'm eating this lasagna at the house, and I put it in in like two minutes. And I thought, that is the long, that that was two hours. (laughs) Because it was 8 o'clock, man. I was starving. I didn't, I I just got lost track of time. Two hours it took for that two minutes to go by. (laughs) That's the way we are. That's just the way we are. Look, man, if God promised it, listen to these two verses. If God promised it, we can expect God to fulfill it. We just have to trust Him. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that He might lie or a son of man that He might change His mind. Does He speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? And in Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know whatever God has said, it's going to happen. You can bank on that. Bill shared five things last week to always remember God's promises, right? One, there's no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. Hey, he's the Lord. Come on. Two, there's no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. Three, there's no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. You know, he's already got it figured out. We don't have to, you know, that's, man, that was such a relief. For me, when I got saved, to know that I don't have to figure stuff out no more. He's already got it figured out. All I got to do is submit and surrender to Him. For there's no place, a heart and mind, no place too hard for the Lord to revive or save. Okay? So that knucklehead you've been praying for? God can do that. Do you think God wants to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mama prayed 35 years for me, but God, okay? And then five, there's no person, no person too hard for God to save. Look at some of us. What does the Bible say? Paul said, look at some of you. Look at where you were, right? Look at some of us, where we were. There's nobody that's beyond God's hand. Nobody. Nobody. And the Bill's nutshell was this God's grace is overwhelming, His power unlimited, His promises true, and His purposes prevail. All of God's promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? That would have been a great place to say amen. All of God's promises are wrapped up in one person that's Jesus Christ. So here's the thing, man. If you neglect, reject, deny, or push Jesus away, what are you doing? You're rejecting, neglecting, denying, pushing away all of God's promises for your life. That ought to wake us up. I think we could stop right there and go home. that I mean, really, man, that should wake us up. So who's Jesus to you? man? I hope it's not some t-shirt you put on, like a Christian t-shirt, to go to church on Sunday or wherever is you're going. I hope it's not. I hope Jesus is not with you. I hope he's not in you. I hope that he owns the house. Right? You got saved. You signed the title of the house over to him and say, Lord, here, it's yours. You take it. Just let me live in you. That, that's the way we have to come to him. When that happens, all of God's promises are yes in him. Man, that's some hope right there, right? That is some amazing hope, man. So today we're wrapping up, or not wrapping up, but today it transitions here, verse 16 through 33. It says, when the men got up to leave, they looked towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them, you know, he's being a good host, to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing, or what, am I gonna, what I'm going to do? Now, what type of person do you think would we have to be for God to reveal stuff to us? I mean, think about you for a minute, okay? Let's say you got some very, very, very intimate personal stuff going on. Who do you reveal that to? Nobody's not an answer. Who, who do you reveal that to? Okay? What, what's a characteristic of the person, okay? That you reveal that stuff to what's number one? Trust. You gotta trust that person, right? I mean, that person has to be a friend, right? I mean, you, you don't want to share that stuff with somebody that's gonna be blabbing it out, you know. You hear it on channel five, right? So you you you're not gonna share stuff with someone unless that's a, a personal, right? There's a relationship, a personal, trustworthy friend, right? Look at what God says. Verse 18, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Why? Why would all nations be blessed through Abraham? Because where's Jesus coming from? Coming from Abraham's family, right? For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So here's the thing, man. God reveals his purpose his plans to a trustworthy friend. And that's what Abraham was known as. Abraham was known as, as a friend of God, right? Wouldn't it be kind of cool, man, to be known as a friend of God? For people, when they speak about you, when they bring your name up, say, man, that dude, well, that's a friend of God right there. That's a man of God. That's a friend of God. That's somebody who's got a, pro, a close personal relationship with God. And you know, here here, sometime a long time ago, I was reading a thing about Billy Graham and just reading about his history and how the whole Billy Graham Evangelistic Association got started. And somebody asked uh one of the guys, I can't think of his name now, that used to sing with them all the all the time, Clarence Barrow or something, I think might have been his name. But I asked him, so Man, why why is, why is why does God show so much favor to Billy Graham? You know, I'm not promoting Billy Graham, I'm promoting God here, okay? So don't get me wrong. And and he told he told the uh, reporter or whatever, he said, you know, he said, the only thing I can figure is that God trusts Billy Graham. God trusts Billy Graham to do the right thing. And that's the thing for us, man. Does God trust us enough to reveal his word to us, to reveal his plans to us? You know, Jesus said in John 15, 15, he's talking to his disciples. He said, look, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I've told you everything the Father told me. See, there was a time when Jesus had the disciples, man, He was sharing stuff with them because they had become close personal relationship, they were trustworthy. Now they were still knuckleheads, right? Until, you know, it was only after Jesus died and they had the Holy Spirit. Then the Lord said, verse 8 to verse 20, then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous. I'm going to go down and see what they've done and see if it's as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. So that's what he was telling. That's what he was going to share with Abraham. I mean, he's come down to share. Hey, man, you're going to have a kid. You know, I'm giving you a son about this time next year, you and Sarah. Okay, although you, you both are dried up, you're going to get a child, right? The one I promised. Okay. He said, but, but, but his other plan was to go to Sodom. He was going to wipe them out because of their sin, because it was so evil. Now, I think about crazy stuff. You know, why did the Lord have to go down and see it, right? I mean, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, think about right now. What, think about some, some sin cities right now. What's the first one that comes to mind? Vegas. Vegas. I mean, you got Vegas, and you got, what, Bangkok, Thailand, and you got, what are some other places? Maybe Tijuana, you know. Think about, think about combining those places together, okay, where anybody, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, okay, I'm entitled to do what I want, when I want, no matter how many people I hurt. That's kind of where they were at, okay? We'll get into that next week. But that's, that's where they're at. It's a seared conscience. You ever met somebody with a seared conscience? Their conscience is burned. They don't care who they hurt. They don't care. They just don't care. Prisons full of people with seared consciences, okay? Because they don't care. That's what we're looking at. So it grieved God. It grieved God so much, God had heard about it. The prayers of some of the victims had reached God. But God, man, how much you got to sin when God says, I'm going down to check this out for myself. (laughs) How jacked up is it? How jacked up is it that God's got to come down and see what you're doing for Himself because He can't believe it? I'm just saying. Here's the thing, man. Why did He do it? One, it's a teaching moment for Abraham. It's a teaching moment for Abraham to teach Abraham about the holiness of God, about the justice of God, about God's mercy and God's grace. Okay? And also, man, it's God didn't want no misunderstanding about His holiness. Something that, guys, I think think we've gotten away from today. God is holy. Man, He's holy. And God has a hatred of sin. He despises it. And God is only going to tolerate so much before he enacts punishment. Do you know that? How many parents in here? Did y'all have some knuckleheads growing up? Did y'all not let them get to a point? I mean, you, you were gracious to a point, but did they ever cross a line where, I mean, the shoe come off and it was, you know, or something. You picked up a baseball bat, you know, an axe or something, you know. and Did y'all ever have a line? Did y'all have a line that them youngins better not cross? I brought you into the world, I'm going to take you out. huh? We all got a line, right? Look, man, God's got a line. God's got a line this morning. God's a holy God. He's not going to put up with stuff for so long, right? And then look at verse 22. Here we see Abraham, Abraham intercedes, okay? Now, what's intercede mean? Somebody help me. I intercede for you means what I do for you. I'm going... I'm going on your behalf, right? Verse 22. The men turned away and went to Sodom, right? The two angels. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare or forgive the place for the sake of 50 righteous people? So, So here God God approaches, or not God, but Abraham approaches God, right? He draws near to him, right? And and God, are you you really? Now, who's who's in Sodom? Remember, his nephew, Lot. Lot is in Sodom, right? His family, he's been there the whole time. And Abraham's thinking not only about Lot, but he's thinking about, well, surely there's got to be some righteous people there, you know? And then Abraham makes this bold statement, man. Check this out. Verse 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Would not the judge of all the earth do right? That's a bold thing to say to God, isn't it? Check this out. Does God always do the right thing? Does he? God can't do the wrong thing. How could a holy God do the wrong thing? You know what it is, guys? It's perspective, isn't it? Guys, we don't have God's perspective. We don't know everything that God knows. Okay? Look, Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything He does is just and fair. How much? How much? everything. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he. Psalm 90, 92, 15. The Lord is just. He's my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Jeremiah nine twenty four. I am the Lord and that I am kind and fair and that I do things that are right on earth. That's the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. So look, Here's the thing, man. Abraham is making some assumptions about God. I mean, Abraham only knows what he knows, only sees what he can see. Do we make assumptions about God? We do, don't we? We see what's on the surface, and then we make assumptions, and we have perspectives. And sometimes those assumptions and perspectives just don't line up. Look, what's the definition of faith again? Help me out. Faith is doing what starts with a T. Faith is trusting God, and it's agreeing with what His Word, and it is acting on my trust of Him and His Word. Right? Sometimes, man, we just have to say, "Look, I don't understand what You're doing, Lord," and it looks, from my perspective, it looks crazy. But Lord, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my faith in You, Father. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna put my faith in You. And look, a sidebar for a minute. What do we really deserve? We deserve hell. Why? Yes. Every one of us deserve hell. Because we sinned against God, because of our sinful nature, because we rejected God. At some point in time, every one of us rejected God. Okay? You ever put anything before God? Huh? Huh? You ever told a lie? You ever dishonored your parents? You ever took anything that didn't belong to you? Or you ever wanted to take something that didn't belong to you? You ever looked at somebody with lust? Right there, man. We just we just we just murdered some Ten Commandments. <laughs> By our own admission, we deserve hell. Romans 6, 23. Look, Romans 6 23. The payment for sin is death. What did death mean? Separation from God, right? But God gives us the free gift of life forever in Christ Jesus our Lord. Check this out. Ephesians 2 8 and 9. We didn't deserve it, right? God saved you by his grace when you believed. Right? That's giving. What is grace? What's grace? It's given, giving you what you don't deserve. Right? Mercy is my withholding what you really deserve, and then our grace is giving you what you don't deserve. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so nobody can boast about it. So we, every one of us, deserve hell, right? So that's kind of, Abraham's kind of losing some perspective here. But he draws near to the Lord, man, and he approaches the Lord on behalf of his nephew Lot and the people of Sodom. You know, he's interceding for them. And Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 says this about intercession, right, uh, uh, about our coming to the Lord. Look, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who's gone into heaven, let us hold to the what? Faith, faith we have, okay? Guys, you don't need more faith. You just need to exercise the faith that you got, Okay? If you exercise the faith that you got, what happens? It grows. It grows. It develops. It matures, right? For our high priest is able to understand our weakness. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let us then feel very sure or boldly that we can come before God's throne where there is... What was the definition of grace again? God giving me what I don't deserve... And here, the writer of Hebrews said, man, come boldly, come boldly to the throne so he can give you grace. Man, I don't know about you, but that gives me some encouragement, some hope, because I'm stupid sometimes. Right? There we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. Man, praise God, that's awesome, isn't it? And James 4.8 says this, look, come near to God, God will come near to you. You sinners, look, clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. What does that mean? Well, it just means, look, you you can't. I'm going to come and I'm going to go to the throne of God's grace boldly, but I'm still living in some kind of sin, right? I got one foot in the world over here. I'm not going to surrender to the world, but I'm going to come like God's some kind of vending machine, right? Let me put my 25-cent prayer in and jerk on the handle and get my little blessing. No, we need to get this right, right? We need some repentance, and we need to get this right. Then we can come to him boldly and receive some mercy and grace. And here's what the Lord said to him. Verse 26. Abram, get out of here. Is that what he said? Look at the conversation. Man, I want you to think about, when you talk about grace, God giving us what we don't deserve. Look at the conversation that happens. God didn't strike him dead. God wants us to come to him. God wants us to have some real conversation with him. You know, sometimes, man, we pray and we think we got to be all high and mighty and, you know, got to have a $100 prayer. Look, man, I, I, we got little kids come up here and pray sometimes, man. Those are some of the greatest prayers I've ever heard. Because they're genuine, they're authentic, they're from the heart. God God knows we're just dirt, right? And He wants to answer us. He wants to give us that, that, He wants to have that dialogue with us. Look, here's what He said. If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. He just answered Abraham's prayer. And then Abraham spoke up again. Now now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous people is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? The Lord said, if I find 45 there, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, "What what if only 40 are found there? For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abram said, now that I've been so bold, I would have probably been packing my bags and going home at that time. (laughs) I'm just saying, I mean, you're going to only push God so far, right? (laughs) Abraham, this is bold, okay? Look, when it says, come to the throne boldly, this is being bold, okay? Some of us don't come to God boldly. Some of us are praying some weak prayers. This I want you to understand, this is bold. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may, may, may Lord don't be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Look, man, two things here. Abraham is bold, but he's humble. There's a difference in, in being bold and being humble or demanding God do things. Okay? Man, we, we don't need we don't need to go to a holy God demanding God to do. Who are we to demand God do anything? Okay? He's not doing that. Lord, I'm nothing. I'm dust and ashes. Don't be angry. Please don't be angry, right? And he negotiates with the Lord from 50 righteous people down to 10. Now, why did he stop at 10? You know, I mean, why didn't he go on to five? Why didn't he go on to one? You know, Abraham's thinking, you know, it's been 20 years. Lot's been living in Sodom for 20 years. And he's thinking, you know, surely the boy's got 10 people in his own family that are righteous, right? Right? So if God finds ten righteous people in Sodom, he's going to spare the city. That's pretty awesome prayer, isn't it? He's interceded on behalf of Lot, interceded on behalf of Sodom. He's going, Lord, you're not going to kill the righteous with the wicked. And then he starts praying. And he goes from 50 down to 10. And look at how God answered his prayer just because Abraham had it on his heart to intercede for people. It's amazing, isn't it? So as I was looking through this and reading through it, man, I started taking some notes, and and here's some takeaways, man, and and just just some things that that, that God revealed to me. And, man, you go back and read it. Maybe God will reveal more to you. But here's the first thing, man. God gives understanding and reveals His ways, His plans, His purposes to trustworthy friends. So if, if you're a follower of Christ today, And you're walking along and you're going, I just really don't know what God wants of me. And I just, I read the Bible, but I don't get it. I read, you know, if you're kind of lost, maybe you need to focus on a relationship. There might be something in your relationship or something in your trust because God, we just saw right here where God reveals himself, he reveals understanding to trustworthy friends. Work on that relationship. And watch what God reveals to you. Now, He ain't going to reveal nothing to you if you're not in His Word reading. Right? How does God speak to us? Two primary ways God speaks to us. One is reading His Word. Right? The other is doing what? Prayer. If that ain't happening, (laughs) you're not going to have an understanding. Things aren't going to be revealed to you. Right? Here's the second thing. In the right relationship with God, we can go to Him with boldness. I mean, man, look, doesn't God already know what's on my heart? Doesn't God already know your struggle this morning? Doesn't God already know your pain, your heartache? Doesn't He already know what you're struggling with right now? Then why, why would we not take that to Him? Think about your closest friend right now on planet Earth that you can go talk to anything about. You know, when you go through something, what do you do? I just told you. You go talk to him, right? Man, I, I, I can, can we get together a cup of coffee, man? I got some stuff I got to talk to you about. That's all God wants with us, man. He wants that relationship. He wants us to come to him boldly because God has got some stuff he wants to reveal to us. He's got some plans and some purposes. Relationship is the key. Guys, relationship is the key. Don't miss that. John 15, 7, Jesus said this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. That's pretty bold, isn't it? But what, there's a prerequisite there. What is it? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask me. I mean, man, there's. You know what? I'm really believe this. I'm beginning to believe this more and more the older I get. I don't think there's anything God won't do for the person who's all in and obedient for God. I don't. I don't think there's nothing God won't do for that person. Here's the other thing. Be specific and persistent in prayer. Man, don't pray some generic prayer. Okay. Be specific. Use people's names. Okay, if you don't know their names, then, then use whatever, you know, like we had some clubs out here the other, the other week. We had a had a had a uh funeral service for one of the clubs in town. Man, pray for the club name if you don't know the guy's name. Pray specifically. What do you really want? I mean, think about it this way. Look, you got you got one chance. You're going to God, the God of the universe, the creator of everything, and you're gonna ask him for something. And you're gonna be generic. And you're gonna ask, you're gonna. Well, Lord, uh, just keep me safe, Lord. You're going to Almighty God, and that's what you're asking for? Think about that. I I do. I play movies in my mind about stuff like this. I get to go to God. I get to pray to Him. And what am I going to talk to Him about? Be specific. Be persistent. Why are we persistent? Look, man, in the New Testament, Jesus taught and commended persistent, specific prayer. Luke 18, the widow that would not leave the judge alone until he granted her request. She wouldn't leave him alone. He granted her request just so the woman would leave him alone. Luke 11, 5 and 8, the friend that needed bread at midnight wouldn't take no for an answer. Remember hospitality? The friend had people coming in. Look, man, i run out of bread. You know, 7-Eleven ain't open. Get up, I gotta have some bread. Hey man, my whole house is asleep. You ain't gonna be until I get some bread. Wouldn't stop until what? They got a loaf of bread, right? Luke 18, 39. The blind man at Jericho, he would not stop crying out for Jesus to heal him. He wouldn't stop. People would tell him, Shut up, shut up. Put him in a headlock. Shut up. He wouldn't shut up. What did Jesus do? Healed him. Matthew 15. The Canaanite woman, I love this, the Canaanite woman who wanted Jesus to heal her daughter, this is a woman, she she was not a part of Israel. She's not part of the children of Israel. A Canaanite woman recognizes who Jesus is. She comes, wants Jesus to heal her daughter, who I think uh, had some evil spirits in her, and Jesus told her no and rebuked her. Why should why should I give? Why should I give bread to the dogs? No, this I've come to give the bread to the children of Israel. You know what she told him? Y'all remember this? Hey, man. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's bread. And what did Jesus do? Healed her daughter. Go home, your daughter's saved. Man, I'm telling you, we just we ain't got a clue sometimes. Well, all that God wants to do in our life, if we would just come to Him and be persistent and be specific. And you know, we don't, we don't pray like that. Not anymore. Man, you talk, about get a pray, you talk about a prayer service, you know what happens? You want to scatter some people in the church? I'm being honest this morning, man, I'm telling you. If you want to scatter some folks, talk about we're going to get together and pray. I don't know why we're so scared to pray. Why are we so scared to come to God and ask Him? I mean, who else are we going to go to? What else else are we going to do? Jesus said in Luke 11, 9 and 10, And so I tell you, keep on asking. Persistent. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everybody that asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. See, some of us, some of us have quit seeking, knocking, and asking. Remember that microwave? We turn in a little 20-second prayer. And it might be 25 years before God's timing is perfect. Don't give up praying. Just quickly, how does God answer prayer? He only answers in three ways, right? First two are obvious. Yes, no. What's the other way He answers prayer? Not now. Wait. So it's either yes, it's no, or it's wait. Right? Right? And, and I want to read this to you, man. You got to be, you know, I talked a while ago about when we come to God, make sure our relationship is right. Why is that important? Here's why Isaiah 59 2. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He's turned away and will not listen anymore. So if we don't get this right, what happens if I go to God? Y'all remember, uh, y'all are parents again, right? When you ask your kids to do something, and they didn't do what you asked them to do, and then they came and they wanted something, did you do what I told you to do? Did you clean up your room? Did you make your bed? Did you do this? Um, no. Don't come and ask me nothing until you go do what I told you to do. Y'all do that as parents. That's what God's doing. Don't come to me with that smell on you. Don't come to me looking like that. Don't come, no. You get this right, and then you come to me, right? Here's the next thing. As followers of Christ, should we be interceding for lost people and for each other? We should be, shouldn't we? How can we have the mind of Christ? How can I have the Holy Spirit in me and be okay with people going to hell? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6 Paul writes to Timothy the man, I urge you, first of all, first of all, first thing, pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. So instead of getting mad, instead of getting upset, instead of complaining and grumbling, why don't we pray? Okay? Just pray. Here's what I would challenge us to do. What if we prayed as much as we were on our phone? What if we prayed as much as we were on the TV? I'm not saying more. I just said as much as. So everybody don't freak out. What if we just did that and prayed for people? I mean really intercede for people. I wonder what would happen. And that leads me to my last point. I wonder what would happen. Look what happened because one man one man interceded. One man prayed. One man Went to God, one man. So when you start thinking I can't make a difference, that's a lie from Satan. When you start thinking that my prayer don't matter, that's a lie from Satan. One man, Abraham, one man. Now we know there won't no righteous people in Sodom, right? We know the end of the story. But God was willing to spare that city if there was ten righteous people there because one man took the time to pray. I wonder what would happen if several people got together to pray. If God's willing to do that because one man was bold enough to intercede and pray. I wonder what God would do if multiple people would just get together and pray. 2nd Chronicles 7:14 through 16. God said if my people this was when Solomon built the temple. New temple And he said, look, man, there's going to be times I'm going to send some some famine. I'm going to send some diseases. I'm going to send some horrible stuff. But here's what he said. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Then he says in 15, look, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I've chosen and consecrated this temple so my name will be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. That was the temple in the Old Testament. Where's the temple of God today? This same verse applies to us today. Not going to a place to pray, but for us if we just bow a knee, man, if we just pray. So as we wrap up today, Intercessory prayer. Man, it's vital. It's 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 critical. It's critical. There's power in prayer. Look at what God was willing to do because one man prayed. There's power in prayer, man. And and look, my prayer, your prayer, can make a difference. Here, here's the caveat to all that. If we what? If we pray. If if we pray. How many how many believe prayer needs to be in, in our schools? Look around at how many hands are going up. Hold your hand up. Look around at how many hands are up. Okay? And I, not to embarrass anybody, to chastise anybody, but how many of us are spending time praying for God to put prayer back in school? What if we all were praying, guys? See, we, we we know we believe in prayer. We believe in God. We're, we're here today. We're worshiping Him, and we believe there's power in that. But how many of us are really doing it, right, really praying? Look, we've got a lot of small groups out here. Man, I want to challenge our small group. We meet, I think, next Thursday. And... I want to challenge your small group. What if we just got together at a small group and we say, hey, give me one thing that you need. What's one, what, give me a specific thing. Or give me some specific people. And let's just spend that hour and a half that we're together just praying. I wonder what God would do. I think God would rock our world, man. I think he would. Here's why it's important. You know Jesus is in heaven praying for us right now? He's interceding on our behalf. Look, Hebrews 7, 24, 25. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save completely those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. God is in heaven right now interceding on our behalf. And on their behalf that they would be saved. What did the early church do? Have y'all read the book of Acts? One consistent theme in the book of Acts was what? And they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. I mean, all the way up to like chapter, I think it's 15 or 17. And they prayed. And they prayed. They were some praying folks, man. Peter was in prison one time. They prayed him out. God opens the doors. Peter walks out. He shows up at the house knocking on the door. Who is it? Peter. No, it can't be. We just prayed. I think sometimes, man, we, sometimes we read that and we think it's fairy tale stuff. Look, man, I believe God wants to do that today. I think God wants to do those same things in our life today. So we should pray. We should pray for the lost and we should pray for each other. God was willing to save Sodom and Gomorrah because one man, guys, y'all come on, we'll end with this. One man, that's ladies too, that man is plural for mankind. One, just one, was willing to intercede on behalf of Lot and behalf of Sodom. Look, man, as I close today, would you be that one? Would you be that one person that would say, you know, daggone it, I'm tired of the way things are, and I'm going to start praying. You know, because if we're not part of the solution, then we're part of what? The problem. And God's people pray. And I think sometimes, man, we treat prayer like it's a spare tire. We'll do everything we can do, and if we can't do nothing else, then we'll pray. Let's flip that bad boy around. How about let's pray first? So I want to I encourage you, man. I want to challenge. I want to challenge our church family. Online, I want to challenge you. Let's pray. Would some people be willing to step up and stand up? Maybe we, maybe we have some prayer teams. Maybe we had, you know, hey, we had two people get saved at the bike blessing this year because we had a, a prayer tent here. Yeah, praise God. May, let's do some unique Let's do some unique and and just out-of-the-box things, man, in terms of prayer. What do you think God would do that? If multiple people would just step up to the plate and say, I'm going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to watch God move. We're going to watch God do some crazy stuff. Huh? Father, I praise you in Jesus' name. I thank you for what you're doing here today. Thank you for this message, Lord. Thank you for this message that... Lord, it's so convicting to me because, Lord, sometimes I neglect. I neglect to pray like I should. God, help me and help us. Number one, Lord, help us to be in that right relationship with you. And I pray in Jesus' name right now, Lord, I pray you help us to be a people who would be trustworthy friends of you. And we would learn to pray. Because that is, that is the power of God. And I really believe, Lord, I believe you're in heaven wanting to act on our behalf. If we just do it. May you be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen.